I want to take a quick moment and give a shout out to our sponsor, Elgato Gaming. If you're a seasoned content creator or interested in creating content, I highly recommend checking out all the Elgato products. One of the many industry-leading game capture devices that Elgato offers, and one I've personally used for the past couple years, is the Elgato HD60S. The HD60S is an external capture card that not only looks good, but provides stunning 1080p, 60fps, and is powered by the Elgato's superior low-latency technology that makes it easy to record, upload, and live stream professional content with ease. It also offers a 3.5 millimeter input for a microphone or an external audio source, whatever you'd like. It's plug and play taken to the next level, literally. So if you want to show off your skill on live streams or just record your gameplay for a highlight video, the Elgato HD60S is my number one recommendation. Pick one up today and support the podcast by going to deserto.com slash Elgato. That's D-E-X-E-R-T-O dot com slash E-L-G-A-T-O. And start creating your own content today. You're listening to the Fortnite Podcast with your host, Too Loud TX and Monster Defense. What up, what up, what up, and welcome to another episode of the Fortnite Podcast. I'm your host, Too Loud TX, and here today, the man that's been traveling from his secret skirmish. He's been keeping everything quiet, even from me, people. Yes, even from me, the man himself, Monster Deface. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Yo, we're back, dudes, and I want to give a formal apology for the last episode because I got to listen to it. I know the audio isn't perfect, but hey, man, even from our secret facilities, we were recording and we were there. So, uh, yeah, big shout out to you guys for dealing with that one. Sorry. You know what's funny is <laughs> I didn't even notice the quality that much when I was talking to you because, I, you know, I always get so excited to talk with you every week about Fortnite. And until I went to post-production, I was like, oh, crap, this is going to take me a long time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it took a little bit longer than normal, but Hey, we got it out there for you guys. So hopefully you did enjoy it. Uh, I'm going to run through the checkbox. I know I've said this before. I run through these because I, we have a special guest, but they is super special. Uh, as always guys, this is brought to you by deserto.com and Fortnite Intel sponsored by Elgato gaming. Thank you so much for the sponsorship. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at the Fortnite podcast and all your reviews, wherever you're listening, all those platforms I usually say, yeah, they're awesome. Thank you so much for that. Keep the reviews going. It really helps other people know what we're doing. Without further ado, today is a special day for me. You guys don't know. I don't even think I've really expressed this to Monster or our guest very much. But this guy I've been following for years. Uh, when I got into Halo back in 2010, watching, and then 2011, watching Halo, I followed this guy. And little did I know he was going to be the star that he is today. But I knew, it, I knew he was awesome to follow. I loved his content. It's been a dream of mine to have this individual on our show. And I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I'm going to. But he first worked as an esports caster for the Major League Gaming in 2011. He has hosted and casted some of the highest profile games in the industry, including Halo, Call of Duty, the Overwatch League, CSGO, and recently Fortnite. He is known for this spe- spectacular casting on his NBC's The Titan Games with The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. If you guys obviously are live, I'm sure you've heard of that. And he has done over 57 events in 2018, all the way from the Bronx. My friend and Monster D Face's friend, Mr. Golden Boy. What is up, buddy? How are you doing? That was, that was, an, that was an opening. That was an opening. <laughs> uh, no, I'm doing good, man. Um, you know, obviously, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, pleasure to be talking with you guys. Got to spend a week and a half with Monster, so I figured like another day wouldn't hurt. <laughs> uh and last time last time i saw you was a wsoe so yep. it was uh you know it was a reunion that needed to happen um and i hope i mean you you set it up and uh, your 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 listeners your viewers they're really going to be disappointed no you know? no not, they're not yeah, going to be disappointed at all. You put, i mean you set the I, standard too high bro no, no, no. Like, i got the quadriqua boys man on my show together right but i got i got i got them here together man and uh and, and i'm excited about this but i want to jump in before we start talking fortnite i want to give everybody that may not know your background or been able to catch some of your you know streams that you do personally and get to know you personally uh, kind of a little bit of background of you. So start us mm-hmm. off a little bit about, you know, how you got into esports. What was what was the game that brought you in there, and what brought you to commentating? Uh, so the game that got me into competition was Halo. Uh, I watched Major League Gaming tournaments all the time. 
I saw like Final Boss, Instinct, uh, Straight Ripping, Triggers Down. Oh, yeah. Carbon, right? All of these teams from Halo 2 to Halo 3. And I was always so intrigued by it. Uh, and at the time, I, I really was just like a, a Halo player. I wasn't a like competitive Halo player. Right. So I just played Halo with my friends, my clan. We did major, minor clan matches in H2. And then um, when H3 came out, I, I, I started to play that. But then Call of Duty 4 came out at the same time. And then at the same time, Shadowrun came out, which was my, my favorite game. So I had a... I decided that I wanted to get into competing a little bit more. And I had started with Call of Duty 2. And I was playing a lot of COD 2. That was like doing game battles matches, being hyper competitive. And then from there, uh, I made the transition over to like COD 4 and then Shadowrun. And I, and I was just very intrigued by the esports scene or competitive gaming scene at the time. It wasn't really that big. Uh, and then as far as commentary was concerned, well, I, I was a competitor in Call of Duty Black Ops 1. And at this point in time, uh, I had a brief stint in Halo Reach that had ended uh, a little early, earlier than I would have liked. And then uh, I said, screw it, I'm going to start competing in Call of Duty Black Ops 1, see how this goes. Uh, was, I wasn't half bad, uh, you know, did, did pretty well. I would say like I was like top 32 amongst all the right. teams that were competing. We had, a, we had a lot of teams at the time. And, uh, and then one day, you know, I just decided, I had like an event in Raleigh, North Carolina, where my, one of my teammates, he's a younger player, and he just didn't show up. He just didn't show up. He decided, like his mom didn't want him to fly in by himself, but instead he went on Twitter and he lied. And he was like, I broke my knees uh, on a car accident on his way, he broke his legs. <laughs> oh the crazy stuff. Wow. I, I, and, like, I'm old, I, was, I was married. I was older. I was concerned about him. Right. So I called right, right. him and never picked up his phone. Then one day I just see him at a random tournament in Jersey. And I was like, you good, Bose? And he's like, yeah, man, my mom just wouldn't let me go. I was like, why didn't you tell me that, man? I went he was like, Yeah, but I was worried that you were gonna put me on blast. I was like, bro, I'm an adult. I'm a grown ass man. Right. Oh, sorry if I I don't know if I can. No, no, you're good, you're good. But I was like, I'm an adult. Uh, you know, like why would I do that? Right. Um, so in you know, he was a kid. He didn't he was surrounding himself with other kids so that were like-minded and thinking that, you know, roasting was like the cool thing to do. Uh, so I guess he didn't really expect to hear that from me, but it's actually great. Like he's an optic gaming now, like he's, he's had an incredible career. I'm very proud of him. And then I, myself, like that event kind of was sparked the whole, like, okay, I'm done competing. And then one day I got a random call from a friend of mine to commentate an uncharted tournament. They were doing like an uncharted exhibition. Okay. And I was the only person he knew that played uncharted competitively <laughs> on game battles. So he said, Hey, are you interested in casting this? I was like, yeah, sure. And then the day before the event, before I hopped on my bus to go to um, Rhode Island for the MLG National Championships, he shoots me a call and says, hey, man, the, uh, one of our casters for God can't make it. So uh, do you want to cast the National Championships? I was like, all right, sure. So I just, I just went for it. And then ever since out then, of nowhere. I back. Yeah, out of nowhere. I never really had an intention of getting into it. It just, just so happened. I, I always thought my voice like sounded terrible. Like when I hear myself speak sometimes, like back in the day, mostly, right? Like now I've kind of found my voice. Back in the day, yeah. I felt like a, like, a, like a Puerto Rican kid. He was like, hey, you know, what are you doing right there? I want to go play right there. Like, that's how I felt like I sounded. Uh, but, well, you know, hey, got me this far. Was it a mind switch? Like for you, was it, was it hard for you to go from, okay, getting to that realization, I'm not going to compete anymore. I'm, I'm going to go this direction. I was tired, honestly. I had a, I worked a full time job. Uh, I was like I was there was a hair on my microphone. I worked a full time job. I was uh, I was constantly busy. I would get up at eight a.m. I'd get home at seven p.m. Uh, I was traveling all around New York City. I was working as a uh, at first. I worked at a company called Hope Case Management, where I helped people who had um, HIV AIDS uh, basically go to their uh, doctor's appointments. Um, you know get to their get to all their appointments take care of their finances things like that it's kind of like a case management program uh and then after that i worked at the uh, department of labor uh, helping people get jobs and and all that and you know i really enjoyed helping people and that was always like fun for me so i kind of viewed it kind of viewed like getting into competitive gaming as that like right. i encountered a lot of like you know younger players that really didn't have any direction. And I was like, Hey, you know, I mean, I'm not that old, but I was already married at the time. I was like 21, 22, had a better head on my shoulders than most. 
So I figured like, you know, these, these like 16 to 18 year old union, younger players that are being influenced by like all this crap on the internet, figured like I could just be like a positive voice for them as a captain. And, you know, it worked out for a few of them. Uh, and, you know, I think, uh, I never really thought about the mind switch. I think I just got to the point where I said, all right, I'm done with this. I'm done competing. I, I still tickle the itch here and there. Yeah. Uh, like I, I would go to a Game of Forgiving, which is a charity event that I support and have worked with for the past like five years. Uh, I go there and I compete in the Halo tournament. Um, I get absolutely just butt smacked. Like it is just, it's just destroyed but <laughs> because they're actual good players. Over. Now it's going to be Halo 3 this year. So I might actually compete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, cause like age five, I'll just get destroyed. So I figured like, it'd be, it'd be cool to do that, you know? And so I tickle that urge here and there. And then streaming is another way that I remain competitive within myself right. and improve at, at the games I play and cast. Yeah. I, I think all of us, whether you're a commentator or not, there's that, there's kind of that itch of competitiveness. I grew up with two older brothers, so yeah. super competitive growing up my whole life. I know monster you're super competitive as well. I know? saw him in the pop-up cup, man. I saw this guy. He was getting sweaty. He was <laughs> yeah, getting he Mad sweaty. Oh yes. You, you know, you know it's sweaty when Golden and I show up to a land while we're <laughs> out working the game that we're there for. And we we literally go to like a cyber cafe to go game all day. Right. I think yeah, it was great. You it was probably, actually really fun. You can probably speak to this being around all the different industries you've been able to commentate and talk in and, and represent in, but like esports people in general are just so passionate about what we do. Like mm -hmm. Just in like we're just so pat like you guys saying go into a cafe like I don't know I don't know what you would equivalent that to in you know another industry like I don't know if like people that you know make movies go and watch movies while they're on the set of another movie or not but you know like yeah that that feeling of like how 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 passionate you are for the game is I think one thing that definitely makes esports so different. Um, what was what was that feeling that you had though? You you, you go through this, you, you end up getting a chance to cast you, you cast your event. You, your first event after you're done, what do you say to yourself? Like, oh, I really love that. Or like, holy crap, I killed it. I did better than I thought I did. Or, oh man, I got a lot to learn. What, what was that like after that first event you really got to cast? So um, at the time, we only had like four commentators. Fwiz, Hashro. Fwiz went on YouTube Gaming. Hashro went on to Team Envy. Uh, Corey Dunn, one of the first to do it. And then there was another guy, Holiday Doc, who was like a YouTuber. Um, and... At the time, though, the casters were just Holiday Doc and uh, Corey Dunn. And Corey Dunn wasn't a COD player. He was a CS guy, but he still had a great voice for it. So he, he nailed the action. He knew exactly what he was doing. Um, Holiday Doc, I would say he was competitive, but he was definitely more of an entertainer YouTuber. Uh, so there were missing some of the finer details of competitive Call of Duty. Uh, that, at the time, to me, seemed like it was important. But in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't really all that important. Uh, the good thing was, was that like, I didn't just show up and be a player. I like, it was just me. I, you know, had fun. I was being loud and boisterous and enjoying myself. So the feeling was that I was going to go out there. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I was just <laughs> going to do it, see if it worked, if it worked, cool. If it didn't work, cool. My life moves on. I started a great job. I was very satisfied. Uh, but then like that day, um, I, I just wrapped the first day and my Twitter exploded. I mean, hundreds of messages of people watching the event and people just saying like, dude, you, thank you so much. Like you had so much to broadcast, blah, blah. And it was like so positive and, and, and I couldn't believe it because Call of Duty typically wasn't yeah, really yeah, all yeah. that positive. And I couldn't believe it. Like just the amount of positivity that surrounded it and it blew my mind away. So it just made me want to like continue to improve. And I went from being like a color commentator to then learning how to do play-by-play -play commentary, which I never really even thought that I could like do um, because I didn't think I could talk like quickly enough to be able to like put the words together and, and, and create that narrative. But I just practiced. And then I learned how to do um, like interviews. I was telling this to Monster for the week that we were Secret Skirmish. Like I watched WWE and I saw how like Michael Cole did the interviews or how like Jonathan Coachman did the interviews, how they held the microphone and how right. close they were to the interviewee and all things like that. And I just started to like take the, the elements of my life that influenced me and like apply it to my work. And it, it, it's worked out very well. You said, you, you said in there that you practiced it too. Were you, were you at home, like watching footage and like, you know, doing play by play to yourself to try to understand, like get the words out and, and make your mind do, go through that exercise. I actually streamed a lot of FFA games. 
uh, okay. and I just cast it over the FFA games. That's, that's what I did. Like I used to do these events called golden invitationals on my stream back in the day. Like this is when like Twitch was like brand new. It just became Twitch. Yeah. From Justin TV. Like one, yeah. I was like one of the first Twitch partners, not Justin TV partners, but one of the first Twitch partners. Um, and at the time partner really just meant that you got trans codes. Like, so you were able to like change quality settings. That was like all it really <laughs> meant. Uh, and, and I think some advertisements. Yeah. But I didn't get a sub button until like a little later. And, um, and yeah, and I, I would stream like these golden invitational events where I would actually like practice how to commentate and I'd have like three, four or 500 viewers just sitting there wow. watching me come like learn how to commentate. And, and, and most of the time we we're just joking around and stuff, but it, it was fun. And I, I would be sent like a headset or, uh, like a control freaks. Like I would take all these things and then I would mail them off to the winner of the tournament or I'll see them at an event. Cause most of them were like people I already knew. And then I would give it to them at the like the next NJ Halo event that I would go to or WCG event. Like that's that's Very how cool. I would do it. Uh, it was actually pretty fun. I really wish I was monetizing at the time and I kept streaming because I probably would have had a little bit more success streaming wise. But ah, whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Well, definitely you're so busy now. You know, I know you stream as much as you can doing what, 57 events last year. You didn't have barely any weekends probably available. So not well, a lot. You know, no, Let alone come home and then you fly out. You're gone on Thursday. Then you're gone for the whole weekend. Be home a couple yep. days. Uh, and then you get events like Secret Skirmish to take you away for like two 12 weeks. days. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, great. good times. Good times. As, as you go through that and you see the progression of your own career, what do you step back and go like that moment? Is there one moment to you that was that defining moment that made a switch? Maybe you say, hey, I really increased my skill here. I really figured it out here. This thing triggered for me. What was that moment for you that was like, man, there it is. This is what I love. This is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. And I, here's the jump mm. I just made. Um, I would probably say when I did the Halo 4 Global Championship, it was my first like major event that I did where I wasn't just like one of the side personalities. Right. I was, I was like the host, the caster. I was like the, me and Bravo were the casters for that event. Uh, so it, it was kind of cool to like carry a show. And, uh, and then I would also say like one of the defining events for myself, um, was when I first hosted the battlefield stream at E3. Cause that was like, uh, I did battlefield four reveal at E3 and it was the first time the EA had ever done anything like this. Like just flat out reveal the game at the event and then have everyone come and play it. But the thing they wanted was they wanted like Q and A's and they wanted to create, um, a community dialogue around the event and that's that was like a whole different beast for me i wasn't even casting anymore like there was some light commentary but for the most part i was talking to the devs about battlefield and i wasn't like the most well adept in battlefield but it didn't really matter they didn't need right. that they wanted to talk about high level stuff they wanted to keep it very like basic for the basic viewer and introduce them and like and i was like learning as i was going along doing it and i think that helped me out a lot to just like understand how to do different kinds of things and Esports commentary is one thing, but there's so many other layers to it. And when you can provide that value in a, in a variety of different ways, uh, you actually end up really, you, you end up benefiting in the end, in my opinion. Um, and, and if you're able to like learn how to host, learn how to do the interviews, learn how to do whatever little bits and bobs that they have set up uh, on the broadcast, you, 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 your value goes up tenfold because they know that they can rely on you for anything. And then I just kept getting called by EA to do more and more and more events. That's awesome. Yeah, I know Monster shared with me a little bit uh, last week that you were just helping everybody kind of find detail, some things, giving some of your great insight and how helpful you were on the Fortnite event and uh, and yeah. talking through those things. You've, yeah, you, it was you, cool. It was cool to do. I didn't we, expect we it, but through, it was cool. We, we went through uh, eSport eSport camp for e two eSport training casting grounds. training camp. Yeah, <laughs> casting training grounds. There you go, Golden Boy. That that's is that your next big thing? You maybe maybe you put a little <laughs> little class together, a little school together. I, I will I will I will be your first uh, your first student here. Do you, I, you tell me where to go I for the I'm weekend. I'm not a good teacher. You know, <laughs> just sweat it out for a couple the, weekends. You know, uh, I you know I would like to. I mean, help people out right along the way. I think uh, I think that's why the secret skirmish was so great. I didn't I didn't expect it to be like that um because it was just such a such a like I, they told me like hey you're gonna come out here for a week and a half and train and i was like really like doing this for almost a decade now actually <laughs> a decade like 
Do I need to train? And then, right, and then right. I recognize like, yeah, no, you actually need to train because you know, you're shit and you gotta, sorry. And you gotta like get better yeah. at, at being, uh, at being a better Fortnite commentator. And, and that was, that was actually pretty fun to do. Well, I have a, I have a soundbite right here. And like you said, you've been doing it for quite a, quite a long time and mm-hmm. you've done some amazing things, you know, national television, probably definitely one of your big marks. I'd say you probably put in your hat, right. And, and being mm-hmm. on NBC and doing the Titan games, which is, incredible and awesome awesome to hear you talk a little about when we are at WSA but I think you being who you are is really defined your career a lot and uh this soundbite comes from your reaction of I'm sure you've seen it a million times oh boy of of uh, of of when you saw yourself I guess come across ESPN right oh dear um, lord and no, no, this is an awesome moment. Like, I, don't make me live it again. Man. No, no, no. You, 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 you can close yours for a second if you want. But monster, you, you got to hear this. No, this no. is, I, I think, this really speaks to um, the little bit of time that I got to talk with you in LA. And I know Monster has nothing but great things to say about you, and everybody else in this industry does. And I think because of you want to help people, and you're humble, and you are who you are, has really gotten you along the way. And that's why I really want to kind of. Talk about this and, and 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 this moment for you and and yeah let's 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 go ahead and jump in and, and take a little listen here real quick. How how many times does oh boy a kid from the hood get to realize his dream? You know, I think that's what makes this so special. You're making cry because I grew up in a single family household. My mother taking care of us and my father, you know, they didn't get along and, you know, we were in the Bronx and, and I, uh, you know, and I always wanted to do this. This was my dream. This was it. This is all I ever wanted. And then to be on primetime ESPN with the name Alex Mendez, you know, I just hope that there is a kid in the hood somewhere. It sees this and says, I could do it too. That's what I want. That's my dream. Well, that is quite a dream. And, Damn uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I, you got me, Troy. Damn it's, it. It's, 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 no, I, it, like when I, when I, when I watched this, I remember seeing this a little bit ago when it happened. And I'm just thinking, like, man, I, I know that it takes a lot to be number one in this industry and do, do a lot of stuff, but you mm-hmm. have, literally been the type of person that no one has anything negative to say about you. You have risen to what I would call the pinnacle of amazing commentating and esports and doing all the great things you've done and stayed humble the entire time. And you said it a moment ago before I even played the clip that you just want to help people. And I think that's, what's so incredible about you golden boy and what you've done in this industry Kill me, man. is, is, is the ability to say like, man, I want to help other people. And you help you. You, I mean, you even gave me some pointers at the time that we spent in WSOE uh, in LA. And I look forward to hopefully learning, learning much more uh, from you in the past, but you've done all these crazy things. You've shown up on ESPN. You've been in the Titan games. What, what for you, what is next in your mind to say like, okay, I, now I want to accomplish this mountain or this hill. What is it for golden boy that, you have in your sights to say, this is, this is my next end game or my next thing I'm going to accomplish. Uh, I mean, so yeah, the, so just to touch on the ESPN thing, I, you know, I, I just want to say that like the, the thing about that, uh, moment for me was, you know, I, I was told by my, guidance counselors, my teachers, some of my friends, some even of my family members, not, you know, negatively just looking out for me that like what I wanted was just not possible. Um, you know, everyone in my family kind of just like, I think at some point in time, I don't say everyone, but some members of my family yeah. at some point in time just kind of accepted that like their goal, their dream was not going to be like their, their, what they wanted. Right. And, and, uh, so they had to like re refocus it because, I remember very distinctly um, my uncle many years ago. He didn't intend for it to be negative. Just, just to preface this, you know, I was I was in the process of doing all this stuff. I was married. Um, it was a real big struggle being a competitive gamer, but then also transitioning into being a caster. And there was no money in it at all. And I never really thought about the money. I just did it because I really, really enjoyed it. And it was my, um, it, it, it was my my calming 
you know, play. It was my calm place. It was it was what I needed in order for me to get through my workday, knowing that I can come home, play games, stream, yeah. hang out with my wife, those kinds of things, right? Um, but but being a part of esports was that. And he turned to me and he had said, "Listen, it just doesn't happen for people like us and where we come from." And you know what that means is like for you know less than stellar, you know, lower middle class. Uh, Hispanics, uh, people of color uh, from the Bronx, from anywhere, really, right? From from the ghetto, yeah. you know. And, and 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 to define that as well, because some some people did give me flack for saying like, why couldn't a kid from the Midwest ghettos do it or whatever? And I, I, that's not what I was trying to say at all, right? Um, they can, and I think like that's that's important, right? Yeah. Uh, anyone can. It doesn't matter like where you come from. If you want it, you you have to want success more than you want to breathe. And, and that's kind of the, that was, that was what I needed to instill within myself in order for me to do this. Um, and then I think the crazy part was walking out in Barclays Center, which is five stops away from my house and a place that is iconic that, uh, that's, you know, SummerSlam takes place at the big WWE events, big concerts, like Mark Anthony sang there, right? Like right. people that I've idolized and looked up to in my life. And, and, and they, I, I went to Barclays Center saw uh an episode of monday night raw and the rock just came out and entertained thousands upon thousands of people for 10 minutes and it was like mind-blowing to the guy who walked out in 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 front of seventeen thousand plus screaming overwatch fans and like credit to the production company because you know they they hedged their bets on like me which is not the best idea. Uh, and, and I went out and on. I was, I was petrified. I was honestly like very petrified. Um, but then I just went on autopilot and then I, I just did it. And then when I got off the stage, I, I was like, I just did that. Right. Like DJ Khaled couldn't even get people like into what he was doing, but yet I managed to get 17,000 plus <laughs> people on their feet cheering going wild for the philadelphia fusion and the london spitfire like that was that was like insane so and and then to see that name right like alex mendez right yeah. like it's mendez is a very very hispanic last name and and to see that up there was like you know there's a lot of pride in my family about you know our name and where it comes from and and uh and that was just that was just crazy so i i, I couldn't i couldn't believe it and that was even before titan games was even a thing so I didn't even know that that was like a possibility. And then Titan Games happened. And then it got, and then I was just like, yeah, this is ridiculous. How, I don't have a play. I don't how, have like an end goal. I how really emotional don't. was that for you then Titan Games? Like the first time, like, did you and your wife ever have a moment when, when you like sat down and you actually did it and you're like, I, I, I just casted with the guy that I saw walk in, you know, yeah. and, and, and in WWE and, and literally I just got to sit with him and cast his show. Like, we, we never thought like we I, I never really had much moments of, of, of reflection on the show. Uh, but after the fact, and it was all said and done. I think it was really when I saw it on TV, like when it. I did a launch party, uh, like a viewing party, excuse me, um, with the NYXL and Five Deadly Venoms crew in uh, in Manhattan. And it was pretty cool. It was my friends, my family were there. Um, and seeing it, I was just like, holy crap, that's me. I'm on TV. Uh, but yeah, I, I think like I got that moment out of me with the ESPN bit. Uh, yeah. And then and then since then, I've just been like, all right, cool. That's, cool accomplishments. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, onward to the next one. Let's uh, let's keep doing this. Uh, so like people have been asking me that a lot lately. Like, what is your what is like your end goal? I really don't have an end goal. I mean, I think I just want to be Post the best. The Grammys? I wanna, <laughs> maybe, maybe I just want to be the best commentator I possibly can be prop up the people that I work with as much as I can right. and see where the wind takes me. That's really it. I don't have much of an end goal. You Monster, know? you spent a lot of time with golden boy and, and I'm sure you've you, you shared with me. He's shared with you a lot of things like, and obviously how, how you know he's really good at complimenting you on on what you're good at, but also helping you go through it. I mean, spending that time with him. What is what? what give us some insight of sitting next to him and 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 casting with him. What that's been like for you? Well, I, I think Golden knows best about how much I appreciate him as an individual and and a figure. 
in my life. Um, but outside of that, just on a professional level, uh, yeah, our first time working together was like rough and we were like really feeling each other. I remember. And I was like, dang, this is what it's like to commentate with someone who's this good. Because if at any point, like he's going to always do him and I had to mold my style to work with him. And then after that, I realized, uh, through, through his insight and his, um, recommendation and, you know, just advice to me as a caster, I became a much better caster literally right after my first, like what, three, three to six games we cast together and our next six games, I was like a hundred percent, like 200% better of a streamer and caster than I was before even sitting down the mic with him. That's how much experience he brings to the table. And and that's how much ed, like genuine advice he gives to the people that he works with. So I can absolutely vouch for that from just like a mentor, uh, you know, uh, standpoint. Um, and yeah, sitting next to him the first time I was just like, you know, it's all over. It's like, yo, this, he's literally a legend yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. In, in the field of what we're working in. And it's, uh, it is somewhat surreal, but at the same time, uh, we've now, you know, like we're friends. Right. So it's yeah. also like, like it's, it's also very cool. It's very humbling. And, um, again, he and I also just come from very similar uh, backgrounds and, uh, you know, it's very relatable for me. So, um, to be, like living what feels like somewhat of this, like probably the same dream, right? As he he knows exactly how I feel. Yeah. So he could just look at me and just be like, I was there too, right? And I'm only, you know, I'm so many steps behind him in, in this career path, but I'm I'm probably walking what felt like the same steps for him way back when he, oh, he was must be, he's not that to, old he's not that old not way back well, when uh, you, you look at experience right <laughs> i mean like like you're talking I'm, I'm i'm rounding up to what will be like my yeah. first year in the scene and he's 10 years in the casting scene right i'm just talking strictly uh, the, yeah. the casting scene so um you know like uh, i take every bit of advice he can toss us and these last two weeks that we spent at the secret skirmish like epic games paired us uh, in, in with different people and put us into a uh, you know, hundred different roles, every single role you can imagine on camera, they put us in those, those hot seats and they, they made us tackle, um, these roles and learn and, and, you know, Epic, uh, or sorry, golden was one of the people there, like literally the most experienced one there. And he was, he was helping everyone level up their game, right. Whether it be posture, whether it be repetition, whether it be body language, right. Confidence just all these things that go into uh, shaping a caster without losing your own identity. He, he, he was able to recognize flaws and, and help us out and level up his own game too, because you know, we, we even, we, we played like caster games, you know, passing the ball around yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, making witty uh, remarks and stuff on the fly. Just, you know, it, it was crazy. It was a lot of fun, but at the same time, um, just to, to round it all back. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy working with him. It is pretty cool. It, it is surreal for sure. I, and I, and yeah, just too nice. I mean, I, I remember <laughs> like a lot of people gave me, you know, they're like, man, you really love WSOE. I did. But part of it was because like the people I was there with, right? Like I'm, I'm next to Richard freaking Lewis and golden yep, boy himself. Like, the, like the two, like two of the yeah. biggest figures ever in esports. Uh, my Chris first Puckett. time casting. Yeah, let's not forget Chris, Chris Puckett, Puckett was there yeah. too. Chris like, Puckett, you know what I mean? Like that's that's actually which insane, the dude. Right? I think he lives the way he casts. Like that's just who Chris is. Like that dude is incredible. Like and and, and so that I mean, it, it definitely is a humbling thing to be around. And uh, you know, it's been it's been crazy. Obviously, watching you guys continue to grow and everybody that got to cast at Fortnite. And I want to talk about that secret skirmish. A lot of stuff you guys were passing the ball, doing this doing is, different this is a things. Long episode, guys, doing different things. <laughs> but uh, I, I we got to talk about Fortnite a little bit. Um, as you guys went through there, like you said, you were running. Tell us a little about real quick. We heard about Butters, who got to play in the in the final event, right? Got butter, to play yeah, butter, butter, just butter, butter. Just butter. Got to play at the event, and he wasn't even planning on it. He got there because he had been showing up during the week when y'all were doing these. Inside things. Tell us a little bit about that. What was going on during the week for the players, and what was that? What was all getting set up? Well, I mean, uh, so starting from the butter story, which I just saw. It's funny seeing so many people say like he was like an epic plant, which is kind of hilarious because uh, he wasn't <laughs> at all. Uh, or, you know, I mean. Anyway, what what happened was we had uh, a bunch of testers come in, 
every every day to test the servers and test the game. Like the same group of people? No, it was like a variety of people, right? Like, so WME, the company that uh, handled all the talent booking and stuff, they also, I, I know Mincic, uh, he's like an esports legend as well. He, um, he had told me when I did the CSGO E-League event, he was like, oh yeah, I'm going to see you soon because we're handling all player travel and we're also handling the uh, tester uh, games as well. And I was like, tester games, the hell are you talking about? Um, then he kind of showed me, it was like thousands of people just responded wow, that's cool. to a call, like local players, like Epic basically had like local players and they were like, hey, reach out to these people, see if they're interested in coming in and, and testing the servers out. So there were some repeats and Butter was one of the guys who came to repeat. When you played a game, the part of the, the thing was you came in, I think they gave you some V-Bucks or whatever. And if you won, you won like 2,500 V-Bucks, which was kind of cool. So yeah. Butter was just wiping the floor with everyone. I mean, he was like playing around with them. Like it was not even like fair. Uh, <laughs> then, yeah. then I think some players just couldn't make it to the event because of the storm on the East Coast. Right. So they couldn't get anyone else in time for it. And WME was like, hey, well... This guy's really good. He's won like a bunch of games. He's a high ranked player. Just give him a shot and just have him do it because Love they it. couldn't, they literally couldn't fly someone in time to do the event, right? There, because people would probably be like, yeah, but there was like a list of people and they could have just went one down, but you don't know where that person lives. You don't know if that person's available. So it was a day before the event. So it was just easier to be like, all right, you're in. And that's, that's what they did. And I think he made the best of, of the situation. And he got like, what, three points or, or no, or like a point or two points. I don't know. He did well. Like, geez. He, for, did, he did extremely well considering uh, his rise from nowhere, right? Look at all the pros that made it through their qualifications and where they ended. He was so like, he was, he was, he did very, very well in the event for what it's worth against other pros. Uh, he held his ground. Did you get, Monster, did you get talked to him? Has he been playing a bunch of scrims or is he just like sweating it out himself? I did, like I, I haven't got him. I got, to, I got to play against them because there was like a row of like empty seats on some days of the testers and I got smoked and I was just like, Whoa, like what just happened? Like, dang, this kid was good. Like, you know, like I was just respected to play. And he ended up winning that game. And we're like sundown. All of us, we're all in the back room, the talent room. And we're watching. We're like, this, kid, this kid's on controller, right? Like, look at him. He is just demolishing. Oh, he's a controller so, player too? He was a controller player. player. Yes. Yes. Man, he was insane. That's my boy. So I went back out to the floor and I tapped him on the shoulder. And I was like, yo, GG, man. And I said, you, you like kicked all our butts over here at... um in loot lake i was like uh you you fought me like and i'm like you know i pride myself in being like pretty eyed at the game you know <laughs> so uh i we we spoke for a little bit i was like you scrim and stuff and he was like yeah he was like yeah i play scrims you know and, and this and that and i was like damn that's what's up and then from there on he had our eye and he did not stop winning games uh, and I, it was that great like he was literally farming v bucks so he's v buck rich right now he's got a lot of v bucks dude if well, he didn't buy the whippet skin he's doing it wrong Yep. <laughs> well i really hope uh, you know I, what i love about fortnite is it's opened to so many doors for so many people and this is another door i i can't wait hopefully see him at some other events and see his name maybe get picked up by a team or something like that's just it's just a cool story uh we saw a similar thing at, you know wsoe where the guys had never met before and they came and played together and then made it through right like yeah, that, that's yeah. what i think is so cool about this genre of game with a hundred players that doesn't really open it. That's so different, right? From the other esports, especially you guys have casted throughout the years. So, uh, you, as before, before this all happened, we have a 7.4 update. And before we saw the secret skirmish per se, um, the 7.4 update, uh, why you guys were in training. And I'm guessing you guys got a leak. Did you guys get a leak to what was going to be happening? Did you know the patch notes a little bit more? Uh, uh we, well, we were just told that there was going to be a plane adjustment. And actually, no. Did they even well, say that? Well, it, it was it was really big, big shouts to Epic Games. They were very transparent with a lot of what was going to come out in the patch. They were pretty much giving away the update without giving away every single thing. Um, but what I also do want to tip the hat to is that they allow players to, during the practice, the pro players were able to play on the patch before it went public. Uh. So just just that it's that little thing right of allowing players to be prepared for an event 
and under the, I guess, non-stressful, you know, circum, uh, circumstance of their training, uh, you know, the warm-up games and stuff, they were already playing on the patch before it went public. So yeah, they, they kind of let us know and let the players experience and feel it all. It's not like they were thrusted in patch day, right. With everyone else. Um, they, they did have that preparation, which I thought was like really cool. So do we all agree yeah. this was like the best update we've seen in a long time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was <laughs> I mean, I think the game was in a very weird state, uh, to put it lightly before, but I, I thought this was great. I thought the hand cannon adjustment was probably my favorite part of this whole thing was really just the, the damage reduction onto the environmental, uh, you know, areas like the walls. And so I yeah, just thought yeah, that yeah. was great. Like that was just a good adjustment. I thought it was necessary. Um, and then like one that was like, I, so I, I didn't really know. I thought it was straight up glitched. And monsters like, no, that was a change. It was that they made the bush translucent. Yeah. So I didn't recognize yeah. when I saw it, I was like, yo, why is the bush like so glitched out? And then monsters like, no, yeah. that's the new bush now. And I was like, like oh, it's so crap. good. <laughs> so it's like a full on ghillie suit is what we were all saying. So I thought that was a pretty cool, uh, a pretty cool adjustment. And then, Infantry rifle was sick. I like the infantry rifle. People behave. No, I, I think it's a cool ad. I think one of you were actually said it during the secret skirmish. Like we never thought we would see the bush used in competitive Fortnite. I think it was you, Golden Boy. You were like, I never thought I'd ever see it used in competitive Fortnite, and then there it is. Right there, it was showing yeah. up. Uh, th- that unfortunately, the bush was on top of a house. Uh, and you know that that's that's the only drawback to being the bush is you really can't move all that well he was like i forget who it was they were on the house they were jumping and they just got beamed yeah (laughs) yeah but but the the cool thing the cool thing about the bush though is that that first bullet is actually negated the damage so it's there's there's no reason not to put it on it's a free one shot of anything really so yeah, yeah. So the first shot negates damage similar to the snowman, and that's why it's a legendary bush now. Ah. Yeah. So put on the bush oh, yeah. anytime you put see it. Put it on, no matter what. Yeah, even even if you're in the snow, like, you know, you're, yeah, you're going to stand out, but, you know, regardless, if you're, you're going to get shot, you're going to get shot. And at least that first one, it's not going to damage you, so. Or if you're going to box dive somebody, throw the bush on. They'll I, take the trap shot. To me, the big, <laughs> the big change, and we didn't see this too much in competitive Fortnite, but we did see it, is the plane damage to structures. And that being mm. taken away, right? And the, they're like basically hitting a brick wall now. But uh, you know, that change I thought was huge. And I felt like we saw less plane action in this tournament than we had in the pre- previous two tournaments. Um, the Winter Royale, yep. obviously, and then WSOE. I, I, I thought I thought that was less. How did you think that that changed the gameplay from a commentating standpoint, Monster? Uh, so for me, the, the reason this change was like heavily noticed is because during Winter Royale, planes had 100% spawn rate. And now they have, they've been reduced down to, if you compare it to then, maybe like 75% less chance of spawning since then. Right. So there's already less planes on the map. And then, yeah, the crazy amounts of nerf from just the accuracy of it, the damage down to, you know, no longer being able to ram structures. It wasn't until game five that finally the players that got desperate and they realized, Hey, I need some points to get top 20 for payout. Like it wasn't until those real end desperate dive bombs. That's when we finally saw the plane just saying, Hey, you know what? No holes bars. Forget that they're diving players. Um, So yeah, it, it did make a big difference. Also players are fighting back. Now the ground warriors are, you know, they've taken war on the sky. So if you're in the sky, there's just way less planes now. Um, it, yeah, you get shot out. Well, from for you, Golden Boy, as you you know, you you have a million games that you cover. I feel like you. I, I asked Monster last. I think it was last week. I was like, dude, how does he keep up with all these games and all the things going on? And uh, you know what's happening in the scene. And somehow you do it. You must have a mind of gold. Maybe, you know, uh, you know, maybe oh, it's a pun of Golden Boy, but <laughs> it, it is incredible. And you see all these changes. You're able to keep up with it. You see something like, uh, you know, the, the hand cannon change and uh, the, the rockets even getting delayed and all these things that happened. What is so different about Fortnite number one, as far as, you know, esports and casting goes? And number two, like how Epic continues to rotate and change this is, is is it a beneficial thing for the industry to keep seeing this? Because it feels like it's putting pressure on everybody else, right? Like Apex Legends is out. People are like, okay, what, what's going to happen next week? Everybody's expecting these changes. Yeah, I think the, 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 for one, like 
you know, you were talking how I keep up with everything. I think there's just certain games that I just like follow a little bit more than others, right? Uh, Halo, uh, Fortnite is one of those games. Um, COD. Uh, like I, I follow these games because you know I'm just very familiar with them. Gears of War is another one, uh, and and as far as Fortnite is concerned, I think what makes Fortnite challenging is that where you have so many players, and like I, <laughs> there's never going to be a tournament where we have like all the same players, so that's kind of tough. So really, just knowing like the tent pole ones. This event though was great because uh, I we had opportunities to chat with like a lot of players, and a lot of them were pretty receptive and pretty awesome so to just go up and like chat with them and stuff was was actually kind of cool uh you can all see them in their little clicks it was like high school all over again in the cafeteria you had your you had one group there you had it tifu and all the lamborghini owners over there and you know, yeah. <laughs> um but uh, and as far as like the the changes go and 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 whatnot i think that the like I, I keep up with certain like meta shifts and, and how it goes overwatch as well. It's like a game where it really taught me how to do that because in halo, you don't really get that. You don't get meta right. shifts. You can't just get people like learning how to play around the map differently, but there's never like a shift in the meta. Cause there's never any adjustments to the guns. Whereas in overwatch, we were getting meta shifts all the time. So keeping up with that was very challenging to do, but you know, Fortnite, one, whatever they do makes news, right? It, it, and, sure. and if they vault yeah. something, if they release a new weapon, like it makes news. You see it all over the place. Like Deserto's covering it, you know, pretty, pretty much like all the time. Uh, Fortnite, uh, Intel or whatever, yeah. like all these different uh, groups are covering it. So that's not very hard. And I play the game as well. I'm trash, but I play the game as well. And I try and keep up as much as I can. And, and, and you know, when you talk about in relation to the rest of the industry and the adjustments that they make on a consistent basis, I actually think it's like pretty healthy for Fortnite. One thing that in my mind, and I know my PUBG friends are going to hate me for this, that really I think hurts PUBG is that the game doesn't change that much and if they add a new weapon it really doesn't alter anything like i think right now we're seeing a heavy double ar comp in PUBG, which has kind of always been like that there have been some adjustments there have been some different weapons but it hasn't really been all that crazy whereas in fortnite there are stylistic changes that players can make to their game uh because of the updates because of the changes because of the new weapons I remember when hand cannons came out, people said it was trash. And then hand cannons, you know, people started to recognize, oh, you could destroy structures with a hand cannon. So then they're like hand cannoning and tossing in a rocket there, right? At the same time. Or, right. or you know, when you're sniping, you hand cannon and snipe at the same time. Like there is clearly like some skill that is involved in like the ever evolving world of Fortnite. The POI is constantly changing. There's always something to talk about. It's never bland. And I think that helps the game. But unfortunately, a lot of pro players don't like that, which makes sense because they want consistency. Then recognize that the reason why the game is so successful and why it has so many eyeballs on it is because it's an ever-changing beast. If it stayed the same the whole time, people would just lose interest because it's like, oh, well, you know, we know what to expect already. Like, Yeah, we wouldn't really have a secret skirmish for $400,000 if that was the case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It wouldn't. It, yeah, it wouldn't be like that. And uh, and I think that there's just a lot of positives there, but there's also negatives. And I'm not trying to ignore that, but I think the positives outweigh it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to see from an esports side how it is affecting that industry, right? Not just the gaming industry, but how it's affecting esports, because when you have a game that's so successful like this for the you know, common player, right, or, or, you know, not pro, a non-pro you know, less hardcore player like my son, right? He's going to beg me every day for skins and it generates this money flow that allows them to feed into the esports scene as much as they do. And I think that's what's super interesting about Fortnite. One thing that we always over, you know, quickly go through Monster and we always talk about, but I think fails to really have its significance is the, is the vaulted and unvaulted items that we get all the time. And like you talked about, changing that meta, continually changing that meta on and off. But this idea of hey we can take something away and add something that's we don't really see that like usually when people take something away it's gone forever we don't see yeah. it brought back and you mm -hmm. know and and i think that that would be interesting to continue to see in more and more games like okay we like this maybe we can change it or let's see what happens when we take you know this out of the equation what happens to your game then you guys had a chance you know to obviously be able to get hands on reviews from the players and what was going on from this update. 
Was there any feedback that you guys got? Was like, well, we wish this wouldn't have changed, or we're ready to see this addition in the next update. Um, uh, as far as that, I mean, there is still a very vocal part of the community that believes Stormwing shouldn't be in the game at all. Right. And uh, I feel like Epic is pretty strong on their stance of keeping it in the game. Yeah, I agree with Monster. There, there is uh, a lot of players don't like Stormwing. That was, that was expressed, but they all universally agreed from, from, I would say all, but I would say the ones I've talked to, which were a lot of players, universally agreed that the changes to the Stormwing were overall positive changes yeah. and necessary changes. Anything, I don't know a monster. But, but there's 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 always gonna be like the next thing down yeah, the list yeah, that yeah. you want to start, you know, drilling home and like like you know, there's still a lot of the community that will then bring up the idea like 1500 mad cap is not enough for pro gameplay. <laughs> and I feel it like it, it's totally true because like you know, sometimes the your cards are just not in your favor if you don't have a mobility item and or the patience to pick up someone else's mobility, right? You know, recycle a rift right. or recycle a launch pad. So right. there's always going to be something that someone feels is not perfect with the game. But the quality of life with this last patch is tremendously increased with the recent balances, the, in my opinion. The last thing yeah. I want to ask you about on, on this update, and there's a number of things we've mentioned. Guys, you can go read. This is probably the longest update. That's why we're not going through it, usually like me and Monster do. But how did the pop-up cup settings for you, as far as casting goes, you guys got to see this firsthand and talk to the players firsthand. The pop-up cup changes to giving the 50 shield to 50 health. How did that affect the game? And do you think that was the best option for Epic to go as far as, you know? Hell yeah. Yeah. Dude, it, it's, it's not even a question in my opinion. Like WSOE to this event, because uh, I can't really count Winter Royale because Infinity Blade low, but uh the oh yeah we 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 had we had some fun fun conversations (laughs) we still get it bro oh my god i i wait real quick before i just say someone on reddit was giving me crap because they were like i hated his i hated the way that he was so positive about the infinity blade (laughs) winter royale and because of that i will never like him as a caster and i was like dude i know i we We, have no choice we have permanently lost a few fans from Um, but i think the pop-up cup settings uh being now default across the board it's just it's just better like i I was watching um what was i I was watching cypher uh like just the other day and he was just playing like regular games and you could see like he was more aggressive because he would find someone he'd go and he'd chase after the elim he'd pick it up he'd get that 50 pop on his shields or his health and then he's just continuing to engage in more and more fights right and this was in solos regular even for myself i had saw the valley right away like i had gotten to a fight on fatal i went right for grandma's house ch- uh, challenged a dude took him out immediately got that 50 percent shield got uh th- was a tempted third party and then i was able to pick him off and then i'd taken some damage but i went right back up to like 160 175 it's like dude this is great like i'm i'm good like now i can actually like keep going yeah. right? i don't have to worry i don't have to like hunt for stuff no i definitely agree i think this is something i hopefully the br genre in general looks at right for games because third partying is such a big problem in all these brs and I think this really provides that opportunity to be aggressive, like you were saying, be able to go after it and have a reward to go, okay, if I engage in this fight, and I know I'm going to probably get hurt, but at least I know I can grab this in case I get third-partied, right? I can have this additional health, this additional shield. And there's I want to touch on that too, because honestly, Fortnite is very, like, people, you know, laugh at the idea of Fortnite has a skill gap. Well, like, does it really? No, it does. In the game from when it first released till now, especially with like permit LTM, a lot of the inexperienced players are only playing LTM. Like the normal playlist has just only gotten harder and harder. Oh yeah. So like you're in I don't win as much are, as I used to. So yeah, you just don't win as much use because the overall population just gotten so much better. So with the heal back system, you know, a couple weeks back, I was always like, ah, you know, it shouldn't be in the normal game. It's not, not yet, not yet, right? Like, good players would just be too good. But the game is approaching the place to where, like, it's, it almost feels like everyone's, like, pretty good. So the heal back system balances that, um, you know, yep. turning those rough games into, like, keeping them to be still good games. Cool. Yeah, well, I agree. As always, before we get out of here, let's jump into our last section, the tips and tricks. Yes. 
do we have tips? Of course. Do we have tricks? Oh, yes, we do. All right, so before we get out of here, we've been talking a lot about commentating. Ridiculous. You, you like my soundbite? That, that, that's, that's me, man. I, I did that soundbite. Um, I, I heard it. Yeah, it it's good. <laughs> Solid. Solid. Uh, so here we are, uh, tips and tricks, as always, guys. Uh, Golden Boy, we've talked a lot about casting and, uh, and going through that. For someone that's interested in getting into commentating, and you, you, said a, you said a couple pieces of advice before, things that you did, but what is the best piece of advice you have to give them yeah. Or, or, or to go for if, if they're interested in that. Well, I mean, I look at guys like you, Monster, Bala, really as like the examples uh, for a lot of people. It's not me. Uh, I think that you just got to make stuff, right? I know it sounds like really basic, but uh, it, it was something that I remember having this conversation with Monte Cristo. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's an Overwatch League commentator, uh, used to be a League of Legends caster, former owner of Renegades. This guy's been in the business uh, as, just as long as I have, if not longer. And he, um, he had mentioned to me, he was like, the thing that I did to get started in doing all this was I just started making my own videos. I started talking about the game that I knew, which at the time, I believe for him was Warcraft 3. So he was like really active and just making stuff. And then he was like involved in some teams. And I think that Fortnite just allows like people an opportunity to do that because the game is so open-ended. Like they always say, uh, one thing that Epic really likes to drive home, and I appreciate this message, is that anyone can win. And I know that people get very tilted by that because when you say anyone can win and people are like, no, it should be consistency, consistency, consistency. It's like, yeah, sure. But anyone can win. Anyone can make content. And, and that is like the special thing about Fortnite. Uh, make a podcast, do breakdown videos. Guys like Speedy Gonzalez, for example, really, really good example of like, you know, he's just out there making being, being tips proactive. Videos, being proactive, yeah. right? Monster right. makes his update video like every every time a new update drops. Like he's talking about what's going on in the space. That is what is necessary in order for you to get involved in this world if you want to get involved in it. It's simply just not going to happen for you. I can't tell you the amount of commentators that I've worked with in the past who just expect things. They're like, well, I know more than everyone else. So thus I should be getting called for stuff. And it's like, yeah, sure, you may be the smartest person in the room when it comes to the game, but if you're a douche, like no one's gonna want to work with you. If you're a douche about <laughs> it, no one's gonna care. If if you're if you're you know running around with this holier than thou mentality, no right. one's gonna care. That's just how it is. Um, so I would just say, like, get out there and make stuff. If you want to get involved in esports commentary, even if you don't want to be a commentator, if you want to run manage a team, you want to be an analyst, you still gotta go out there and make stuff because that's how you that's how you get better. No, absolutely. That's some great advice. And I agree. Even after I left uh, our, our event, I asked, I asked a bunch of people for advice that were there, you and, and Chris. And, and obviously yeah. one of the feedback I got was like, do more content, do more content, start a YouTube channel, start talking about what you know, right? What you talk about, yeah. whether it's Fortnite, whatever it is, news, whatever you want, talk about it. So this week I've actually been working until monster in January, mid January, like my goal in February was to launch my YouTube channel and start talking more about stuff. And so uh, I'm with you. That's I, I'm doing that. I'm going to be talking more about stuff and, and launching some new stuff that uh, of content because uh, that's really the best basis for anything is create crap, yeah. do stuff. Yeah, make, make some cool crap and have some fun. Right. Really what it boils down to. If you ain't having fun, don't bother. The, the last tip and trick for the day is the you get a battle pass for free in season eight. All you have to do is 13 free overtime challenges. That's it. And and use code monster deface. <laughs> you do both of those and you got it. There you that's, go. <laughs> that's the big tip right there. Use that code monster deface. Use the code monster deface. Get 13 free overtime challenges done by February 27th and you get a free battle pass. Well, guys, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Uh, make sure you send all your complaints directly to monster at the Fortnite Podcast at gmail.com and uh, tell us what you like and what you dislike about the show. During the week, these two guys are doing stuff all the time. Monster, why don't you start us off? Tell us where everybody can find you throughout the week. As always, guys, at Monster Deface is my handle. It actually has an underscore now on Instagram, so it's at Monster Deface underscore on Instagram. Uh, but preferably, content is up 24-7 on YouTube. Go fetch it out, guys. And if you want to catch me on Twitch, I'm back home now, so uh, sorry for the two-week vacay, but we are back, uh, back on Twitch in the mornings. I'll see you there. 
Golden Boy, what about you? If people want to find you throughout the week, where do they find you? Uh, you can check me out on Twitch at GoldenBoyFTW, uh, as well as Twitter, where I post a lot of my musings about esports on there, and Instagram, where I try and get a little bit more funnier with that. Also, next week, I will be uh, hosting the FIFA Ultimate Challenge Championship. I really got to learn the name of that. Uh, with E-League, uh, it'll be my first FIFA event. I'll be there uh, this weekend. Ooh, so. Is Castro going to be yeah. there? Uh, no, but uh, uh, Chew Boy, Chew Boy, okay. uh, Mike LaBelle, uh, some some pretty prominent personalities in, in the FIFA community. So it's going to be pretty fun. I never watched FIFA till recently. And some of these streamers are hilarious, man. Like so ridiculous. The, they are so good, too. It's ridiculous. Well, guys, make sure you follow us on Twitter at the Fortnite podcast myself. Too Loud TX, number two, L-O-U-D-T-X, Monster, Monster D-Face, M-O-N-S-T-E-R-D-F-A-C-E. And Golden Boy, just like it sounds, Golden Boy, but with... FTW for the win, of course, as always, after his name. And until next time, guys, dance out those kills and boast in those victory royales. The Fortnite Podcast is a two-dog production presented by DeSerto.com and sponsored by Elgato Gaming. The background music for the Elgato ad is brought to you by Kevin McLeod. The song is called Rainbows, and you can visit it at incomputech.com.